Welcome to Pod Space Nine, the last stop for Trash in the Alpha Quadrant. This is a rewatch podcast for Star Trek D Space Nine, featuring two veteran viewers and one newbie. My name is Justin, and I'll be your away team commander. Joining me is my science officer, Anna, with our new recruit, Jude. Jude, Anna, what's the worst board game experience you've had? Uh, I, for a time, played a lot of Risk with my dad bef- way back in the day, and my brother, and... Uh, that used to go badly as a rule, but the last time I ever played Risk with those two people, uh, my brother grabbed the board, threw it across the room, then climbed across the table and punched me. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Nothing I could say could ever beat that. You win. Let me just say that there are games where you play to win, and then there are games where you play for an alternate win condition. And my version of winning at Risk generally revolved around how angry could you make the other people playing? How much could you grief them? And uh, in that regard, I won every game. And uh, it was decided after that incident that we no longer played Risk. Brilliant. I'm just going to go with like, there's a certain category of people who always insist that they want to learn while we play. And like in some games... That can work, especially if like everybody else, like, you know, depending on the distribution of players and stuff like that, too. Mm -hmm. But often it really does not because said person who wants to learn as they play never, in fact, bothers trying to learn the rules of the game and just continues to be confused throughout the entire thing and frustrated about their confusion. And Jen. (laughs) Well, my my worst word. So I was in my college board game club. And we had some times, shall we say. My personal favorite being the first time I ever showed up. I, one, I was one of only two girls there. Great. Already <laughs> off to a fantastic start. Two, yep. I, got, I got talked into playing the Battlestar Galactica board game. Which Love I already that. I already knew I didn't want to play because I don't like hidden trader games. So I already knew I was not going to have a good time here. But I got talked into it. And the guy setting up the game and teaching the five other players, so the guy who was teaching and then five of us who had never played before, he miscounted the human and Cylon cards, and we started the game with five out of six Cylons. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> that game at least probably would have gone very fast. <laughs> I would have liked it to go much faster still. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, That's that was that good. was a rough night. And yet I kept going. So can't have been that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and that, listeners, um, is the voices of our guests this week. Jen, why don't you introduce yourself? Um, hi, I'm Jen. I'm a game designer. Um, my, my thing that people might know me for is The Price of Coal, uh, which is a game about sad coal miners uh, living through a labor tragedy in American history. Um, and I love... Star Trek always have. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so, how did you get into Star Trek? Where 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 did your journey start? So, um, it was just kind of one of those things that was always on in the house when I was growing up. Like my dad watched the original series and the Next Generation. It was really those mm-hmm. two that were always on. Um, I actually the first time I ever like got grounded as a tween was because I had been writing Kirk Spock fan fiction on the family computer. 
And my dad was not thrilled about that. Never know that you're my hero. That is the most fantastic thing I've ever heard. Yeah. That's you're tremendous. An icon, honestly. That's my origin story. <laughs> Uh, but I had only ever watched the original series and The Next Generation. And for years and years and years and years, I had heard, oh, the rest of them are not good. Don't bother. Until I started dating my current boyfriend. And he was like, oh, you should watch DS9. You will like it. And of course, I loved it. And I was like, well, if they were wrong about DS9, maybe they were wrong about Voyager and Enterprise too. And guess what? I also loved those. So... It's fantastic. Every time, every time I we get an Enterprise stand on the show, I'm like, I, I, I'm vindicated because I will not go so far as to say that I'm an Enterprise stand, but it did oh, grow okay. on me. It's it's a decent show if you take out like ten specific episodes. That's a fair point. I could see that if you just like obliterated them from existence, like it'd be and you perfectly the, fine. And you skip the theme song every time. How dare you? <laughs> Okay, the, the first time I heard the Enterprise theme, I thought I was having a stroke. Like, I was like, this isn't happening, right? Like, this isn't real. I'm hallucinating this. That, that's how we all felt when the pilot came out, too. <laughs> and, um, but then it grew on me, and I was like, you know what? I'm kind of getting into this. And then they changed it for season three and made it worse. It <laughs> made, like, really... the rock version. It's like the Stockholm Syndrome of, the- of Star Trek themes. <laughs> yeah, it really is. And like, I was watching on Netflix in like 2018 or something. I could have hit skip intro. I never did. <laughs> the only reason I hit skip intro on DSI is because the DS9 intro is like 90 seconds. Yeah, that's fair. And if, and if I'm going through like four episodes in a night, I, I need to pump that out and I need to finish my notes. <laughs> I just like watching the station circling. It just makes me happy. It's a good one. I like the the DS9 intro, uh, but I agree, Justin. I'll watch the first one, but if I'm watching multiple episodes, I don't do multiple. Yeah. I don't do that. Uh, but the only Star Trek I never skip the intro on is Strange New Worlds, because that theme song is a fucking banger. I have not. I've been horrible at keeping up with any of the new tracks. Like I watched the first couple episodes of Discovery, and I was like, "This is good. I should keep watching this." And then I failed to keep watching this. Watched the first few episodes of Picard, completely fell off of it. And I'm like, "Did I just forget how to watch TV? Am I just bad at watching TV? Is that a thing you can I, see?" I, I think it might be partly that both Discovery and Picard are essentially like Star Trek branching off into like new genres Mm -hmm. so like they're both star trek does prestige tv which like i could see that doesn't quite work for me like that's fair it's apache at least um versus i think that if you like if you like like all the way up to and including enterprise i think you'll really like strange new worlds if you pick it up um it's got the same like episodic vibe to it where and and it also like leans much stronger into the fact that like it's an ensemble cast i do like that yeah especially especially the the second season i um the first se- the first season i think is a little pike centric yeah but i'd also say that it um you would probably enjoy lower decks which takes a little bit to kind of like burn in and find its find Fair. its vibe but it is star trek memes the show parentheses <laughs> affectionate Okay, nice. Yeah. It's it's the show that like when you first see it and you first hear about it, you're like, 
I don't I don't really know if they like this. It's, yeah, like, uh, I, I remember seeing the ads for Lower Decks, and I, I was worried that it would feel a little bit too much like Star Trek memes derogatory <laughs> as yeah. opposed to affectionate. But, yeah. yeah, the thing they lead into is, like, that, I guess the best way to put it is, like, if you look at Star Trek from a certain angle, it's almost a horror show. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and then and, and Lower Decks acknowledges this and says, and that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but tonight we were talking about two episodes that are possibly the least horrifying things that <laughs> in DS9. I, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with I know, you in episode one of them 11. Has a space wedgie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, there is some stuff in in episode eleven that we'll talk about <laughs> i mean not hor- like horrifying in the sense like there are certain things that might be horrifying but like that are not horrific there we we um, have i still stand by what i said we haven't gotten to any more crimes yet on this show <laughs> okay that's uh, fair tonight we are covering episodes 10 and 11 of season one move along home and the nagus anna you have move along home move along home all right. So this one, the story is by Michael Piller, teleplay by Frederick Rappaport and Lisa Rich and Jan Kerrigan Fauci and directed by David Carson. Takes a village. So hello and welcome to our first episode of Deep Space Nine Fever Dream Edition. Uh, first, we have a scene where Cisco and Jake uh, discuss the concerning fact that apparently Jake is getting all of his sex ed from Nog. Uh, Cisco has to run, though. Uh, there's a delegation coming to the station from the Gamma Quadrant, uh, and he has to make first contra- contact with a species called the Wadi. Cisco, Kira, Dax, and Bashir all show up to greet the Wadi and are taken aback when the delegation's leader, a man named Fallow, insists that they be taken to the most important part of the station. Quarks. <laughs> Apparently, the Wadi are super, super horny for games. Uh, Cisco bails after hours of watching them play Dabo uh, and heads to bed, instructing Quark to just keep them happy as they pull this, like, horrible all-nighter. Uh, he finds Jake still awake, having stayed up late working with Nog on a school project, and Cisco insists that they will have a chat about this in the morning, but for now he needs to pass the fuck out. Unfortunately for Quark, a side effect of the Wadi being super into games is that they are super good at them, uh, and they nearly clean out at the Dabo tables. He sends in a Frankie minion to take over spinning the wheel and to try to cheat the Wadi out of their winnings. The Wadi, of course, do not take kindly to this and suggest a new game, one of their own devising. Uh, The Dabo table is transformed into a 3D game board with four players and the objective, move along home. What Quark doesn't realize, those four players are in fact the senior staff who have been transported inside the game. Cisco, Dax, and Bashir all start to work on figuring out what's going on. Uh, Fallow showing up and telling them to move along home is perhaps a clue to this. And Kira, meanwhile, insists that she did not sign up for mysterious space wedgies, unlike the Starfleet officers. On the outside, Jake is the first to flag that the senior staff are missing, not in fact sleeping in, since Cisco did not give him the talk at the ass crack of dawn. Odo starts investigating to try to figure out where Cisco and the others are. Inside the game, our heroes have to solve a sequence of puzzles generated by Quark's dice rolls. First, a hopscotch game where they have to follow a precise sequence of steps and say a rhyme and do the hand motions. Um, Then there's a room with a party that fills with poison gas and they have to find the antidote. 
Uh, Quark is thrilled. He seems to be picking up on the game quickly. And then Odo shows up to rain on his parade and inform them, inform him that the senior staff are missing. And Quark realizes what is going on here. He starts to play more conservatively, but things start going wrong. First, one player is randomly eliminated by the game, Bashir, who vanishes after being scammed by some ominous light. Then, at the last move before reaching home, Quark is forced to choose one of his players to eliminate so that two may live. Quark cannot decide, and he begs Fallow to let him out of the game. Fallow instead rolls his eyes and states that, fine, sure, he'll just program the game to choose instead. In the game, this plays out as Cisco, Dax, and Kira um, attempt to cross a rocky cavern. Dax's leg is seriously hurt, and she insists that the others leave her behind and continue on, but they refuse. As they help Dax along, all three fall off the cliff and reappear back in the bar along with Bashir. Fallow informs Quark that he lost, he did not win, uh, and that the players were never enacting any actual risk because, like, Jesus Christ, you fucker, it's, it's just a game. Uh, since Cisco is incensed at the Wadi until he realizes that, of course, this is all Quark's fault, uh, because Quark tried to cheat them, and Quark then becomes the recipient of his ire. The Wadi leave the station with Quark trying to convince them that his bar represents a fantastic franchising opportunity for this game. I was unsurprised to discover that this episode has a reputation <laughs> as oh, not no, being never. a high quality episode. Excuse me. I loved it. I thought this episode was weird as hell, but like it reminded me of like the weird TNG episodes. Yeah. Only yeah. on like DS9 with like with like a sprinkling of DS9 nonsense in it. Like, it's not that far off from, like, the one where, like, they all put on masks and, like, transform into, like, gods or whatever. Yeah. 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 But definitely has, uh, a like, you know, a sousance of DS9 nonsense <laughs> in it. Like, yeah. Cisco, uh, the whole, all the stuff with Cisco being, like, deeply uncomfortable with Nog being the source of Jake's uh, sexual education is fucking hilarious. Uh, I mean, A, valid, but B, yeah. uh, like, very, very funny and not something like you would not get uh, a father's concern about his, for his son's sex education on TNG. Um, Lord knows what they taught Wesley. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I think, I, I'm pretty sure God, that they just abandoned him to the ten tender care I of Ensign Loeffler. I would still take sex ed from Riker before I would take it from a Ferengi. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. A hundred percent. I feel like I feel like Riker would have the same attitude that like my parents did of like question one, <laughs> are you being safe? Question two, are you having fun? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Riker would just lead straight up with like dubious advice. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know what really player. turns a woman on? A trombone. <laughs> so one thing that's very funny, I think this is a bit of a TNG like tangent. I know we're supposed to be talking about DS9. Um, I was always very attracted to Riker because he's a very good looking man. Mm -hmm. My brother found out about this one point and thought it was the most absurd thing he had ever heard that anyone would be attracted to Riker. And I'm like, he's there to be the hot one. Right, right. He, he has the most attractive quality that a man can have is that he's goofy. Yeah. <laughs> and also uh, the way that he sits on chairs. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> 
And he's like confident about his sexuality in a very attractive way too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Riker doesn't mind you knowing that that he fucks. Right. Right. Unlike (laughs) Picard, who is deeply uncomfortable with that fact. Yeah. Yeah. I so one thing that like I I do sort of find like funny about this episode, and part of the reason that I'm like I sort of it sort of kind of sits in my memory well is that it doesn't do the trope of if you die in the game you die in real life (laughs) yeah 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 it subverts that and like i love how at the end like the wadi are just like what the fuck man it was only a game we were just hazing you (laughs) i one trope i do like that it participates in is the classic star trek trope of starfleet officers getting bamboozled into weird alien bullshit yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then at the end, just being like, eh. like Odo's, I like the fact that Odo does not just draw a weapon and just be like, "Motherfuckers, give me my officers back before I start shooting legs off," <laughs> or turns his hand into an axe. I guess he doesn't use guns, but like, yeah. he's a weird authoritarian. Why does he, why is he not ripping arms off people like a fucking Wookiee? Yeah, but no, it's this is what Star this Trek is does. Star Trek. You, you yeah. throw your officers into. You let you let aliens torture your officers, and then it's just well, that's alien culture. Yeah. I guess we're okay with it. This seems legit. First contact protocol uh, is mentioned in this episode as being written by a guy named Captain McCullough, and I just assume yeah. that it's like how like customer service works. Of like, you just <laughs> let them do whatever right. they want. See, I always <laughs> read like I imagine this this McCullough as like the Emily Post of Starfleet. Like, he wrote the <laughs> etiquette manual. And it's, like, real stodgy. And everyone else yeah. is like, this is so dated. This isn't how people actually interact. That's right. how I tend to picture it. Yeah. And uh, it's like, you know, the Wadi aren't going to know whether people are wearing their dress uniforms or not. Like, yeah. they I don't love, know what your regular uniforms I, look like. Can I zoom in on that moment, by the way? <laughs> Do they not? So they can replicate any food <laughs> so but apparently julian can't replicate a fucking t-shirt <laughs> that apparently is outside of the remit of the of the replicators i always just like to think that it's like that that shit gets bra- like yeah, that one um if you want that like you know like I assume that like yeah you've got like industrial applications for replicators, but I just assume that all replicated clothing fits terribly. <laughs> yeah, probably one size all right. fits all. Yeah, yeah, which is I, why I mean, Garrett's would... there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I buy that. I buy that. I just or, it just or seems... like my my theory is that you can only replicate them from like the one specific DRM'd replicator. Oh God, yeah, mm. it's like the right? one. The one that has that pattern encoded and none of the other ones have it because otherwise someone else could make a fake Starfleet uniform. Exactly. But it has to be it has to be like the one where you you have to put in like the the multi-factor authentication and like the admiral (laughs) has to like sign on and like they haven't checked their email in like four days. That actually makes a certain kind of sense so that you can't have just any schmuck. Yeah, you couldn't have around. any schmuck who could impersonate, say, a Starfleet command <laughs> officer to steal a ship. This will come important later. <laughs> it's Noted. a surprise tool that will help us later. Um, other fun things I love about this episode is 
uh, Quark making Odo blow on the dice. Oh my god, the homoerotic <laughs> oh, tension is real. Up, up until the next episode was the horniest thing I've seen in this <laughs> show so far. I, I have a question for y'all. Obviously, Jude, no, but the, the other two of you. Have you seen the outtake where Quark and Odo kiss? No. Yes. Oh, of course. Of course I okay. have. Of Justin, I will I share this with you after <sighs> the recording. Uh, Holland shared it to me, and um, it is amazing. Oh, gosh. I, I Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, so, with, like, the, the Wadi are trying to, like, gamble. They, they're they like, hey, we have um thing. We have, like, a box. Um, <laughs> and these bo- this box has sticks in it. And clone peg, clone pegs that have <laughs> many uses. The the, many. the way that the Wadi says that is with the it's same like, like tone that an anthropologist will use the term ritual purposes. <laughs> yeah. It's like either either they're for sex or they're drugs. Yeah, or yeah. Both. You you smoke them, you snort them, you shove them up your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Again, all of the above does sound like an option here. This yeah, is outer yeah, space. For sure. And uh, you know, I'm just I'm just I wish we had, you know, it the the scene with like a couple of them just like, you know, smoke smoking the clon pigs like a joint in the background. <laughs> so I just I when I watch this episode, I watch everything habitually with subtitles on because my hearing yeah. is jacked. Yeah. And uh, especially modern television with all of its fucking terrible sound engineering. Mm-hmm. I can't hear fuck for shit uh, when it comes to dialogue. Uh, and I love that every time they bang the clon pegs together in when they're like playing the game, the subtitles would just say clon pegs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I there was that. supposed to be another word, but the subtitles on DS9 are, are completely jacked. They're mm-hmm. often like, inverted so like say it's yeah. three lines long and it'll yeah. be upside down so yeah. i think there was a word missing like maybe it's supposed to say like clon pegs clacking or something but i never saw that it just no. says clon pegs so i was dying every time it came up plaguing uh like pegging is the the verb of what the clons are doing <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you're, you're exactly love. right there for pegging <laughs> I mean, that's where my mind went. <laughs> I I love the Wadi because, like, they immediately like they roll onto the station. They're like, "So tell us about your games. Where are your yeah. games? We would like to know more about your games." Which is extremely relatable to me. Right. Yeah, that no, is also how I approach any convention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where is your dealer's uh, hall? <laughs> yeah, and then being like. Uh, and then they show me like their extremely basic rudimentary game. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let me get you some weird shit. <laughs> right. Let me bring out my weird ass immersive RPG that I'm not going to explain the rules to, but you are going to enjoy it or I will yell. <laughs> and and they clearly set it on easy mode for Quark too. That oh, he yeah. starts with like the fucking like children's hopscotch thing. Yeah. They, they like, this is the, the experience of this is, you go over to someone's house and you think like, and you start playing like cards, but then they bring out this game that they paid two hundred fifty dollars on Kickstarter for, and you're like, okay, we're gonna start off with this. We're gonna start off with this advanced setup, and you're like, could we do the basic setup? And they're like, no, get good scrub, learn as we go. 
<laughs> I'm definitely not looking over at the uh, the six hundred dollars of Cthulhu Wars my boyfriend bought. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, oh, just a board game thing. The game Chula is shoots and ladders. Oh my god, I didn't even notice. Uh, Oh my god. That's terrible, but great. Non-game related (laughs) hilarity in this episode is I fucking love Odo bullying the security soft boy uh, up in ops, where he just bowls in and is like, motherfucker, do you know where your, your command staff is? And then is just like, I'm not in Starfleet, bitch. Beam me up. Like, he is... I do not like Odo. We have made that very clear that I do not like Odo, but I was absolutely fucking dying when he was bullying that bitch around. I was was so good. Just, there's, a, there's another Odo moment I really like where he's um where he's like talking to the Jake and like Jake is like, I have information, but I got it like because I was looking at girls with Nog. <laughs> and he's like, are you going to tell my dad? And Odo's like, no, 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 don't worry. I'm a cop, but I'm not a narc. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other the other great, well, I'm not in Starfleet is um, when they're when they're they're like they're crossing this. They're crossing as they're crossing like the, the cave ravine or whatever. Um, oh yes, it's like <laughs> fucking the, You're refusing a direct order. Well, then court martial me. I can't. You're not in Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things I love about DS Nine is just being able to have these characters who are high up in like positions of authority on the station, but yeah. they are not beholden to the Starfleet structure at all. And I yeah. love that because just having grown up only with the original series and the Next Generation, it was so hard to envision people outside of Starfleet fitting into this world mm-hmm. and then Kira and Odo come in and just blow it to shit and it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoy Kira like in general her yeah. her complete lack of patience with Starfleet bullshit but her explicitly calling out like I'm not Starfleet I don't have patience for this hootenanny horse shit that you guys are willing <laughs> to just put up with uh, had me is fantastic I also loved, though, uh, Dax being like, uh, if I were in command, I'd leave your asses behind. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And Cisco's like, well, it's a good thing you're not in command then. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Put a pin in that, too, by the way, Jude. Yeah. What, that Dax would leave him behind? Yeah. I love the things we're learning about Dax in these two episodes. <laughs> yes. I feel like around this point is like when they started to figure Dax out a little bit better, just how mm-hmm. to write her. Yeah. Uh, Cause I feel like the first few episodes, they like, they tried to do this like older and wiser type of thing. But as the series, as the first season goes on, Dax gets more fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely get the sense that Dax, they decided somewhere sometime after that completely nonsense Trills don't do romance line. Yeah, bullshit. Uh, sometime after that, they decided that, uh, in fact, uh, Dax is a, what, like 600-year-old hot mess? Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just uh, has started going with that. As as we see in the next episode, there's more more evidence of that there. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. It's like, I think the, like, the, the big point for me where they, like, figure out this character, where, where they figure out the character perfectly and like they start like moving her more into that more adventurous type is i don't remember when they start doing it but when it's when they start 
pairing her with Kira, like, whenever they're not on duty. Yeah. And they yeah. start hanging there's out. Cer- yeah, there's a certain point when you start seeing them, like, hanging out at the hollow suite and stuff like that. And I would say that this is, like, actually a pretty a pretty decent, like, turning point for Dax on that, too. Like, it's not quite there, but... Um, but getting there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and speaking of Kira, like, I, I really love how her reaction to the game like lampshade lampshades the whole thing of like starfleet officers being fucking weirdos right <laughs> that like yeah okay who's gonna sign up for starfleet to like get space wedgies like on the daily yeah. right yeah. and specifically it's the officers it's starfleet academy that turns you into a lunatic right yeah. and I- and she's like i'm like like, I'm a terrorist turned bureaucrat. Like, what do you expect from me? I have never played, like, you know, a weird, immersive alien RPG. <laughs> you know what yeah. this is? It's an escape room. <laughs> oh my god, it is. Yeah, yeah. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. I love it, but I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> One time, yeah, this is exactly that. We were in an escape room with some of our friends, and we were supposed to, like, you know how it is. You have to, like, figure out the combination to the lock to open the drawer in the filing cabinet. You know, escape room shit. Except we realized it was, like, we could jar the drawer just open enough that the friend in the group with the smallest hands could just (laughs) shove her hands in there and get it out without getting the combination. We're doing that. It's you know that's Kira's approach. Is we can right. just we can just shoot the lock off. It's fine. We don't have yeah. to play by the rules. Yeah, right. Kira's approach is to just straight up kick the door open. Just no respect for the no respect for the the uh, the the game whatsoever. <laughs> just straight out. If she could have kicked uh, Fallow, just absolute like Sparta kicked him out the door to get oh, out of that game. Have. She'd have done it in a heartbeat. And yeah. that's kind of why I love Kira. And yet at the end, she's kind of, at the end, she's sort of like, you know what? That was kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. I th- I'm like, Kira, Kira is the person who is like, I'm going to hate this. I'm going to hate this. I'm going to hate this. And like on the card back. Yeah, I, I had fun. Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. I wouldn't do it again, but I did have fun. <laughs> well, I mean, in, in, in fairness, Kira doesn't really understand fun, I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, she probably I mean, did not have a lot of opportunities to uh, to really learn to embrace her fun side. Yeah, yeah I think growing up, her her idea of fun was like shooting Cardassians. So yeah, I have to imagine that the whole concept of recreation is uh, fairly foreign to her, and uh, I, I will be interested to see if she has more of a learning curve on that as the se- as the show goes on. There's like one specific like image that is baked into my mind, but it's like. At season four. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently this episode was also like the most expensive episode to produce since the pilot because of all the sets they had to make. Oh Uh, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking like, oh, well, it's, you know, like they had some guest actors for the Wadi and stuff. But like, yeah, the sets for sure would drive that up. Yeah. My other favorite thing on this is I always love when Quark becomes a like sniveling wreck. <laughs> God, <laughs> yeah. yes. Oh, it's adorable. And he's there just being like, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. Five minutes later, I'm doing it again. 
<laughs> I one thing that I absolutely love is like I think this might be the first time we see it, that, uh, but like the little like the the the, the cringy little friggy plea gesture where it's like you you put your you, yeah. you basically make like heart heart hands and yes. you're just like ah. Oh. <laughs> The Ferengi, we'll get more into Ferengi bullshit in the next episode, but good Lord, the Ferengi are fucking weird. (laughs) I love, I love Quark being like, no, I can win this. Trust me. I'm a gambler. And I'm like, I have never trusted anyone less in my entire fucking life. (laughs) So I I had a prediction as I was watching this. I was like, I kind of want Quark to like turn out to be a savant at this game. And then like halfway through, I was like, oh no, we're going the other way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just because they started him on the kid setting and like he did okay at the start and then like shit got real. Yeah. One thing that I that I love that is like is the thing that will come back later is the Wadi ship will become like one of three like stock ships that visits DS9 (laughs) and belongs to 20 different alien races. There is one really successful spaceship dealer out there. It's the Honda like, Civic is, of the Gamma Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's used by the Majorans, too. It's Amazing. just really, they just reuse that model again and again, and I, lo- I love it. Yeah. It's just a little try. Well, it's, it's a cheap import. Yeah. The Bajorans are just importing it on the cheap. Yeah. Like a Honda Civic. God, I... You know, as somebody who whose first car was a '92 Honda Civic, I think we should. I think the government should issue '92 like, like <laughs> decades old Honda Civics to new drivers. God, I support this initiative. Uh, uh, are we good on move along home? Can we move along the Nagus? Yeah, right. I, I think yeah. my final thought for this episode is. It is a bat. It it is like a mediocre Star Trek episode, but it is a lot of fun. And you and if you are if you dish on it, you should shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's a good bad episode, not yeah. a yeah. bad bad episode. My, like my my thoughts are on it are basically it's a terrible episode. Ten on ten, no notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm applying to be the Starfleet ambassador to the Wadi. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah. I have the next one. Uh, episode eleven, the Nagus. Story by David Livingston, teleplay by Ira Stephen Bear, directed by David Livingston. Our episode opens on a Lurchesque character leading someone in a cloak with a Ferengi-headed walking stick onto the station. In Quarks, the titular proprietor scolds his bumbling brother for returning the woman's purse without looting it first, per the first rule of acquisition. As Quark yucks it up with Morn at the bar, said hooded figure arrives and is revealed to be Grand Nagus Zek, who promptly commandeers one of Quark's hollow suites and spins up Quark's five best smut programs. While Quark worries that the Nagus is there to take his bar, the Nagus's porny giggles echo from the hollow suites. <laughs> porny giggles is the name of this episode. <laughs> uh, when he finally descends, he gives the Nagus's he gives the Nagus Rom's quarters, then is instructed to invite the Nagus to dinner. At said dinner, over worms, the Nagus compliments Quark and insults his own son. Things are going well until Rom mentions the school, uh, and, and, and Rom ends up banning Nog from it. Then the Nagus tells Quark he wants to host a conference on the Gamma Quadrant in his bar. 
At said conference, the Nagus reveals he has chosen a successor to lead the Ferengi into the future as they expand their business enterprises into the Gamma Quadrant. To absolutely everyone's consternation, particularly the Nagus's sons, but the Nagus's high amusement, he names Quark. Quark is simply staggered and strokes himself in excitement. Uh, he his gets to ear, enjoy it. His ears glitches like, I'm going to be clear to the listeners. He strokes his ears. The, the, the end result is the same. Yeah. I'm just saying. But one of them you can put on prime TM TV and the other you can't. Okay, well, fine. If you want to take the fun out of my joke. Uh, <laughs> he gets to enjoy it for about six minutes before the other Ferengi start to threaten and badger him. And he runs to Zek for advice. Zek, however, just wants to go somewhere with the beach to get high and fuck. Mid-conversation, however, Zek dies. His son freeze-dries him and sells his remains while Quark recruits Rom as a bodyguard. Uh, side note, that's fucking stupid, but, you know, whatever. Which part? I think <laughs> yeah. Rom, as a, Rom as a bodyguard. Okay, I, yeah. I thought you were talking about, like, making your body into NFTs. No, that's <laughs> hilarious. And the fact that nobody hit, nobody actually does that yet is wild to me. Uh, as Quark enjoys Zek's funeral, a drone tries to kill him, which O'Brien later deduces is a Ferengi locator bomb, which apparently tracks via pheromones, I assume because that sounds gross. Cisco and Odo interrogate Quark about the bombing. After a meeting in which Quark hands out apparently yet another lucrative deal, Rom and Zek's son reveal that they were the ones behind the bomb and they need a new plan or else he's going to be too popular to remove. They tell Quark there is a deal in the Gamma Quadrant, but it's clear this is a setup and the fact that Quark doesn't cotton on is fucking hilarious. They lead him to an airlock and attempt to space him. Before they can do so, however, Odo, Lurch, and the Nagus appear. The whole thing that transpires was a test to see if Crax, Zek's son, was ready, which he has failed. Quark was just a puppet in the game. He gives back the scepter happily and then tells Rom how proud of him he is that Rom tried to kill him. In our D for Dad plot, Cisco gets blown off on a trip to Bajor to see the fire caverns because Jake would rather hang with Nog. Teens. Hey, um, so this takes place during the Gratitude Festival. And I just want you all the room. I just want you, Jude. To remember the words gratitude festival and fire caverns. Those are surprise things that will come in handy later. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> also the rules of acquisition. Let's yeah. be honest. Yes, but yeah. I, I've, I, I watched TNG, so I picked up a few rules of acquisition in the past. In school later that day, it is revealed for reasons I cannot fathom that Miles has taken over for his wife until she returns <laughs> from Earth. Apparently, this is an O'Brien Suffers episode. He asks Nog to present his homework, an essay on ethics, and Nog concocts some absolute horseshit story about Vulcans stealing his pad and then puts Jake on the spot to back him up. Jake reluctantly confirms the story, which no one buys. In ops, O'Brien narks on Jake to Cisco, but Cisco dishes some sound parenting advice uh, and declines to uh, try and get in between the two. After Rom forbids Nog to attend school, Nog argues with Jake, obviously working out some displaced anger about it. Uh, he's got some stuff going on when it comes to attending school, clearly. Jake is upset about it and tells his father and is unsatisfied when Cisco 
with Cisco's answers and his attempts to cheer him up. After school, Jake and Nog talk again and decide they still want to be friends. The next morning, Cisco interrogates Jack about what he's Jake about what he's been doing with Nog, and Jake refuses to tell him. When he doesn't show up for dinner, Cisco takes Dax's dubious advice and goes to find him, leaving Dax to eat the stew he prepared. He discovers Jake is teaching Nog to read and discreetly leaves them to it. So that last bit is everything to me. My like favorite thing in all mm-hmm. of fiction is when two char- when we have two characters and one of them is teaching the other one how to read. I don't know why. I just have the biggest soft spot for it in the world. So this episode, I'm like, ah, I love these baby boys. I love my little uh-huh. alien boys. It's a it's a kind of like a subgenre of found family. I think. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And it it hits in a really great way. Um. I'm totally fine starting there. I love Jake and Nog. And Jake is just such a good kid. He really is. He's every time you expect him to do some like stereotypical dumb teen shit. He's like one degree. Like he's somewhere between a little and a lot more sensitive and like less stereotypically shitty than you expect. I'm sure they will. But they also, will give but Jake also he's a but also he's teen a teen, moment. right? You know, yeah. yeah, he's 14 as we establish in this yeah. episode. I mean, I'm sure there there will be shitty teen moments for Jake in the future, but in this case, like he's blowing off his dad, but it's because Nog doesn't want anyone to know he can't read. Yeah, I think it's great that Jake is like trying to be loyal to his friend and do do Nog a solid and teach him to read after hours, and I think Cisco is. Such a good dad in this episode. Mm-hmm. The way he yeah. doesn't, uh, the way he doesn't like barge in there at the end. The way he doesn't listen to O'Brien entirely. <laughs> when O'Brien's like, "I would, I would make him pick," and Cisco's like, "No, yeah, that's because your daughter's three, motherfucker." Like, <laughs> right? Yeah, your three-year-old will pick you. Your fourteen-year-old will not. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. I love yeah. the thing is like, I don't want to. I don't want to make him choose between. Uh, me and him because I'd lose and Brad's like what he's like yeah your daughter's three she thinks you're cool I'm 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 just yeah. dad yeah no it's it's terrific I one thing especially I have a, a seven-year-old now he'll he'll be seven next month uh and one thing I have really really appreciated about watching DS9 is Cisco's dad energy mm-hmm. like I don't know if um, the actor who plays Cisco, I'm blanking on his last name. Avery, Avery, Avery Brooks. Brooks. Avery Brooks, thank you, uh, was a father himself at the time of filming. But if he wasn't, uh, he clearly was channeling his own dad or, or a father he knew because he is fucking nailing that dad energy. Not just the lines, but like that that paternal vibe. vibe of like, I don't know. It's it's ineffable. It really is. Well, so There's just something to it. I love that because like one of the things, so Sarah Lofton, who plays Jake Sisko, has talked all the time about Avery Brooks taking him under his wing on set mm-hmm. and how that like that relationship we see in the show is close to what they had in real life, which yeah. I That's love. That's fantastic. Yeah. I didn't know that, but that is awesome. I yeah. love that. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, Brooks was a parent uh, at the time of this. I, I, I just like, I found him thing. He has three kids. So that's great. Yeah. That makes total perfect sense to me because he does have that. There's just something that I think actually having a kid, you, you kind of do 
appreciate you do get that energy you do get that vibe of like i have i have walked this road i have seen <laughs> i have fought these wars kind of vibe and he definitely has that vibe uh and i i really appreciate that about the character it's it's nice nice tender masculinity yeah yeah yeah, yeah. especially with jake who is not uh gung-ho like you know he's He's definitely a much gentler character character than some of the other characters we've seen. He can't, you know, Cisco can't bully that kid. He can't push him around, you know, and I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love comparing Jake to, for example, Wesley. (laughs) Yeah. If we're we're comparing teens on spaceships in this program, um, where Jake, I think, is given in a lot of ways a much more realistic view of like that age where like, yeah, he could probably be a little shit like Wesley often was, but that wasn't the only facet to him. Like there mm-hmm. is also that like softer side where mm-hmm. he is trying to be loyal to his friend and trying to help him out and, and not wanting to embarrass him and things like that where, and that is like a very real thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that like DS nine succeeds jake where it fails wesley is it doesn't get like wesley never gets another fully realized character his own age to interact with yeah Mm -hmm. that makes a big difference and like i don't want to give spoilers for the future knowing that jude has not seen all of ds9 but just how we see nog's character develop over time knowing that with hindsight and going back to this episode was so different for me from watching Mm -hmm. it the first time Mm -hmm. yeah it's um i think i think like i think if like, you want to have a headphones moment i can take my headphones off if you want to talk about <laughs> nog here uh but i mean yeah let, let's let's we'll, we'll do like okay. a minute here because you know we, yeah. we, we need to do that to you occasionally <laughs> yeah no i mean knowing where where uh, knowing where nog ends up and especially the relationship between nog and cisco where eventually yeah. cisco is the one who gets him into starfleet <laughs> when Cisco was so reticent to even let his son hang out with him and then to write that recommendation to be the first Ferengi in Starfleet, that just, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's incredible. It. Yeah. And, and like how, and like, I think something that is, that I think is really important that we will, we will get to down the road is that Jake, Jake doesn't want to be in Starfleet. He's like yeah. the yeah. first, he's like the, he's like, I think he might literally be the first kid in Star Trek. Like we see yeah. as, as a kid who is like related to a Starfleet member who doesn't want to be in Starfleet. And yeah. I think that is like, and instead it's his best friend who I'm going to be honest by like the end of the series, Nog is a second son to Jake or, or yeah. Nog is a second to son to Cisco. Cisco. Yeah. 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 Um, and like just how that all ends up is just like, you know, and coming from this point where Cisco's like, he makes the choice to not show, like to not interfere. And yeah. it's like, it's one of those things where it's like the choices you do, the, the, the actions you don't take are just as important as the ones you do. And I think it's like, yeah. And we, we also have Cisco challenging his preconceptions about the Ferengi too. Yeah. Which is really important. Welcome back. That's Jude. not as much fun on the other end. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like spicy, like some of them. But yeah. No. Yeah. But that's it's two shows worth of me forcing other people to take their headphones off. I don't like this comeuppance. 
this so this also has one of my like favorite mini tropes for like aid like it's, it's specifically like a a teen tween mini trope on in various things where Jake is like, excuse me, I'm 14. And Cisco's like, you're right. You're 14. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I real, the, those always crack me up. <laughs> and, and like, especially I remember watching this, you know, when I was a kid and being like, yeah, Jake is 14. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, a baby. A baby. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I had about like the soft fun parts, like the soft, uh dad parts of this episode is uh dax coming to like <laughs> stop in to play chess and finding cisco sitting sad dad at the table <laughs> with a big pot of stew and her advice is not terrible advice but i love that dax like flat out like i was a shitty parent one well, one, I think it's buck wild that she's like, I've been a mom three times and a dad twice, I think she says. Yeah. yeah. And I Which, sucked every time. So, yeah. Side note, someone has to keep track of like trill lines of descent. Yeah. So you don't end up like dating or marrying the descendant of one of your previous hosts. Put a pin in that too, dude. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> Whoa. Rut okay. <laughs> no, it's a good rut row. It's good. It's good. Um, that said, uh, I also do love that Dax is like, yeah, I was a real shitty parent. Yeah, like I love that they're expanding Dax's character like like that. I think yeah, that's and very we funny. Also, we also have a. Um, this is a huge deviation from like the initial like the Dax that we saw a couple of episodes ago where she was like the aesthetic like oh like if you ate lo you know yeah like um, yeah the whatever it is what is yeah. it if, if you ate uh, steamed steamed Agna or something Agna. um like you know and. Like where she's got this like ascetic vibe of like, oh yes, I only eat the like the healthy thing. And now she's just sort of like just sits down and just like just starts spooning the stew onto her this, plate without even fucking asking. I feel like this yeah. is the point I feel like at some point between those episodes the Dax symbiote kicked in, it's like, no, you like Cisco's cooking. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you that shit's good, remember? And she's like, oh right. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do remember, actually. Uh, okay, let's talk about the horny stuff. <laughs> let's talk about the Ferengi, because they are... Oh, oh one let's last thing. One first, I will, first, I will share something that I'll make sure that... Uh, we, we need to make sure this goes on Twitter or whatever, but I'm going to I'm gonna share a meme with you all. <laughs> so, funny, funny you should mention that. I actually had a viral tweet about Ferengi and NFTs, <laughs> because I had tweeted that the NFTs sound like they would be the plot of a Ferengi episode, and it would be Picard or Cisco's job to get them to cut that shit out. And specifically yeah. the part that people embraced was me saying, I can just hear it in Wallace Shawn's gra uh, Grand Nega Sec voice. It's on the Ethereum blockchain, Quark! <laughs> <laughs> um, That's very good. You could just hear it, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, okay, one last thing One last thing that I just do want to loop back on of, like, the, the D-plot is, uh, 
O'Brien having to O'Brien having to teach class is so funny. It's like that man. Like why? they couldn't fight. Why him? They couldn't fight anyone else. They could not. Literally anyone else. O'Brien has. Bless him. I love O'Brien. O'Brien has zero charisma. <laughs> None. He he has the charisma of a potato. You can't command. He can't command the attention of a classroom full of students. And the fact that he like gets, there's so much wrong with that. The fact that he gets to be school teacher just because his wife is the school teacher. Like this is somehow like descends down family lines. This responsibility is. Oh, I was just assuming it was because no one else would do it. Yeah. I think everyone else probably just refused. Right. And I, I feel like it's probably the thing of like, you know, you know how to get something, you know how to get something done. You give it to the busiest person you know. <laughs> you know who I really want to see someday, like, forced to take over that class would be uh, Bashir. <laughs> that would be funny. Oh. Oh. <laughs> that would be a delight. Okay. Do you want, do you want to talk about the, the Ferengi? Yeah, I, I have a I have an intermediate thought where I think we can we can use this thought to like transition from one one plot to the other. Yeah, okay. Um, which is that the Frankie attitude toward education is always fucking bananas to me. Yeah, that like they're so into like commerce, but you would you would think that they all would be like like. Ha- like they'd all have MBAs or something, right? Like <laughs> yeah. that you'd think that they would like value like reading as being like super important when it comes to like contracts yeah. and shit. Being literate. It's, yeah. It is because I would say that because the Ferengi are not economic, they are not based on economics. They are based on capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And capitalism only exists to enforce the, the, the it only exists to preserve and grow the wealth of the the cap of the capitalist class. Yeah, um, yeah. And Nog, as the son of a worker, is not like you know. Knowledge is power, and you don't give you know the children of your workers power. Yeah, yeah. there is that. That's true. Uh, I have a note from this episode that says. Uh, Rom passing his punishment from Quark down to Nog is pure middle management. Proof that Ferengi <laughs> yes. are capitalists. Yeah. Yes. And that is the entire family structure of the Ferengi is middle managers just passing the buck down the line. Yeah. 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 There's so many. This is such a great episode. Putting the aside, like, every bit of this Ferengi shit is fucking hilarious. Um, I have, there are so many weird moments all the way, like, aside from the main plot, which is just absolutely fucking bananas. <laughs> most of my notes are, like, small weird things that I thought were hilarious. Like, Quark trying to get Odo to kiss the scepter. Or, uh, like, or like Quark being, like, extremely concerned that the Nagus is going to fuck himself to death in the holosuite. God, that is yes. the funniest moment. <laughs> I'm just, like... I. What do you do of like, 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 where do you get to a point in your life where you're like, I'm writing a scene about a guy who is to to translocate this to the old west. This is a guy saying like, yeah, no, um, an oil tycoon rolls into town and goes to the local brothel 
and pays so much money and says, don't disturb me. And it's like, I can't even ask my workers if the guy has died while trying to do his business. <laughs> and then you get, I, I have to wonder, I, I try to imagine the ADR booth <laughs> with Wallace Shawn. Okay, now give me, give me the giggle that you would make while using a pornography program. And one of the things I love about like a behind the scenes Star Trek production thing, every time there was one of these like big Ferengi focused episodes where they would bring Wallace Shawn in and things like that, um, all of the Ferengi actors would like get together at Quark's actor's house and like prepare for it for the whole day before That's together. So Incredible. Which is delightful to me. That's just awesome. Knowing that and trying to picture all of them like getting into their Ferengi vibe together before even going to set. I love that. Yeah, because they're they're all recurring actors because like, you know, the pool the pool of actors who like are short and do and you know, can act voice. with prosthetics. Yeah. And like is pretty small. We've mentioned his name several times, but I do want to clarify uh, and I know that voice more than I know yeah. that face. Wallace Shawn Best known as from the Princess Bride yep. for shouting inconceivable and uh, dying suddenly. You made one to of the blunders. <laughs> yes, uh, an absolutely terrific actor, just but iconic, super super distinctive voice. Uh, but honest to God, I don't know that I will ever hear him as anything other than Nagus. You won't. Like, you won't. Yeah. Inconceivable is one thing. Like, But you're going to hear separate. Toy Story, and you're going to see Rex the dinosaur, and all you're going to think is, <laughs> Yeah. All I'm going to see is that dinosaur, like, boning down in a hollow suite. I'm so glad we can believe this for you. <laughs> it's so... And then I like the fact that, like, his retirement plan, he isn't like, this isn't some like, like, he isn't trolling. He he genuinely wants to retire. He And he's he's like got this, he really does want his son to take over, but he has a specific like thing he was expecting his son to do and he doesn't. But his description of his retirement plans are go to planet A, which has drug waves <laughs> or plan or Riza. With its voluptuous females. I was not joking in my summary when I said he wants to retire to get high and fuck. Like, the, yeah. that, that's that's what he wants. That's and yet the he goal. Is, he's so old. Right? <laughs> he's, it is he's, the God-given right of old people to want to get high and fuck. I love the costume design on Nagus, too. He looks... He looks like a desiccated prune with two trolls jammed in his ears. The most ear hair I've ever seen in a character design in my entire life. It's, it's majestic. It's so, yeah. like, like, it is literally just like, we like. You know what I'm afraid of? And the, and the cause of death for him, too. Of the, the chronic massive infection of the tympanic metamorphosis. Me membrane is that Dear basically like God. a really bad ear infection yes yeah yes. yeah uh you know what i'm really afraid of is i'm assuming you don't cast wallace sean as the nagus 
for a, a one-off. I'm assuming he'll be back mo- many, many times. Many times. Many. Yeah. Which makes me happy. They're going to have somebody play with his ears. They've done it for all the other Ferengi. And I'm picturing what that's going to look like in my head. And it, it's not... I'm kind, it's going to keep me up can, at night. Can we headphones moment for just, just one second? Yeah. Just one second. Okay, so in the episode where Quark gets, like, force-femmed, uh, <laughs> does he touch Senegas' ears? I don't remember. I, I don't remember, but I feel like he might. He might. I need to, I need to like, I need to look for that now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I forgot about that. And, oh, my God, there's just so... <laughs> my description God. of that episode isn't wrong, is it? Oh my yeah, God. no, no, no right. it really is. I mean, there's a lot of. You're good. Yeah. You're good. Uh, there's a lot of gender going on at the Ferengi, and we will get to that there's, in the future. There's yeah. so much. Like, one of the things I just fucking love about Star Trek is just space gender. There's just so much of it. Yeah. <laughs> Let, last time we were talking about, like, the. Just Dax and how they. Completely unintentionally made an amazing trans yeah, narrative. by accident. That boggles my mind. I mean, we talked about it in the last episode. Right. Like, stumbled into such a, a, like, compelling trans narrative. It's such a Star Trek thing to do. So, I, I mean, to, to bring it back to a place of horny, um, there's just a lot going on with the Fraggy. We're, like, kissing the scepter... Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. like touching your ears in public it's just all like it's a very yeah. like in the way that like corporate culture has a very specific like bro um, everything is everything is a fetishization of of everything is a stand in for the size of your dick in corporate culture yeah yes. and the Ferengi are here like and, and you know it's like the the phrase the size of your lobes refers to both like your attractiveness <laughs> and your business sense. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's the it's the Ferengi version of big dick energy. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like yeah, and it's got like this business sense to go with it too. Um, which God, it, it's in and like this will this will only get hornier. There is like every oh, yeah. possible. Well, the fact that this episode had nothing to do with sex, it was about like business and succession. It was Ferengi And it was that horny. (laughs) And it was that horny is terrifying to me. (laughs) Like I said, because eventually there's going to be one like, God forbid, like, I don't know, Rom or Naga or not Naga, well, or Naga's, God help me. uh, Rom or Quark like tries to like actually get laid and not just sexually harass people. And, I mean, I'm just terrified of where they're going to take these characters. Uh, in, I, I in won't tell way, you with who, mind you. but I will say that Rom does end up in a stable long-term relationship. And it's charming. It's delightful. I want it to be... I would love it to be Kira, but I know it <laughs> won't be. <laughs> but I just think that would be funny. So I have to tell you, so this is, this is one of my favorite um, crack ships that I have ever seen in, in Star Trek fandom. It involves Quark. Uh, and if you think of all of, like, and this is crossing the boundaries, like this is not a character on DS9, but of all of the Star Trek shows, who you might think, 
yeah, I, w- I think Quark should fuck that person. Uh, the person that this person thought that Quark should fuck was Neelix from Voyager. <laughs> oh my to create God. the pairing of Quelix. Oh, <laughs> that word. Yeah. That's cursed. I, I it's that's very cursed. cursed. I, it's so cursed. The, 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 the waveform that I just made is just, I just bricked <laughs> my recording there. Um, <laughs> um, so apparently the, the original concept for this episode uh, was that it was going to be like a bunch of different aliens trying to make a crime syndicate. But then they just decided to throw that out and make it, make it all about the Ferengi. And never has like a choice been so important. Uh, yeah. Because uh, Arvid Sherman basically was like, this is the first time they decided to put it in an episode basically entirely on me. And he was like, yeah. oh yeah, it was nerve wracking. And then it came out and the studio and the writers were very wary about it because they're like, this is too goofy. And then it was like, <laughs> a smash hit episode yeah and they were like oh wait we can get away with stuff like this (laughs) yeah and i think at least once a season sometimes twice you get one of these big all ferengi episodes where it's just all about quark and rom or nob or you know the outside characters like the nagus and it's great every time yeah Yeah. the ferengi episodes are some of the best episodes of this fucking show like little green men yeah, oh. if you had told me that when I started watching this show, I would not have believed I, you. Yeah, absolutely. The the episode, like one of the episodes that I'm most looking forward to Jude watching is House of Quark. Mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's gonna be a good time. Um, the magnificent Ferengi too. Oh God, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like there. Yeah, there's a whole there's a smorgasbord of good Ferengi episodes. Yeah, I'm, yeah, like, and then <laughs> and then at some point in like season two or three, Jeffrey Jeffrey Coombe shows up. Yeah, like that's gonna be. Yeah, who does Jeff Bront the uh, well, liquidator? I, yeah, I guess I can't. I ask think he. Who I he think plays. he's season two. Even yeah. he like he shows up as Bront before he shows up as the other character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bront is the non-spoilery character that uh, Jeffrey Combs mm. plays because he plays multiple roles in DS Nine. Uh, Bront, FCA. I, I have to say, uh, one of my favorite bits in this episode. You just reminded me by mentioning the bit character is the shot of Morn standing outside the door with his <laughs> yes. eyes all wide like, what? It's like, it's like nose pressed up against the glass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, it's, what it's do you like, mean I like can't the, come in? It's like the, if, if you're cold, they're cold, let them in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, I, Mark Allen um, Shepard just did such a good job with, no, with literally no lines. Right. It's terrific. Uh, what a fucking just absolute A plus episode. The Godfather parody, like the entire oh scene God, where he's Godfather like, parody. where he's got like the weird alien he's stroking, and he's doing literally <laughs> the Godfather. Right, yeah, it's delightful. So when I when I I saw the note before I watched the episode of the Godfather scene, so I was really curious whether like Quark was gonna wake up with <laughs> some weird alien head in the bed. <laughs> Or, like, oh, I was very incredible. curious how that was, what what kind of Godfather scene we were going to get. God, that would have been funny, though. That yeah. it would. <laughs> it would. My last note is, uh, this is a very different ROM than we saw earlier yeah. on and, in the yeah. show. And I think my vague recollection of the other episodes of DS9 that I have seen is that this is 
the bumbling ROM is the ROM that I vaguely recall from other. This, yeah. this is the episodes. start of real ROM. Yeah. The, discard all previous ROM. This yeah. is this is the first episode with ROM in it. Yeah, and even done. here it's like not completely done because yeah. it's like the ROM we eventually get is not somebody who I you can say like oh he z- Crag or whatever his name is like yeah. influences him but like the rom that like I know and love would not put a locator bomb on his brother <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah it, it's yeah this is like the the point where they like they put they put Max and Sheik into a role that is not Ferengi B uh, yeah and it starts working <laughs> yeah and like this, this is like where the character starts developing. Yeah. I yeah, a plus episode. Uh, bless you both for 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 giving me this episode to summarize. I I, 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 I think we might just have to put like either we like I either yeah I think we'll just put you on future for Eggy episodes because there's yeah <laughs> just as a, for your sins. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, f- I feel like that's fair. Um, God, what a what a fucking wild episode. Yeah, I was like, uh, I was so the, happy. One when, of my favorites. I was so happy when this pair of episodes just shook out in the the yeah. schedule. Because yeah. like, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, no, these two like it's just it's peak Star Trek. It really right? is like, and yeah, like I, when uh, when Justin was like, OK, we're doing this DS9 podcast and you were saying, oh, we'll have to do like two episodes. I was like. And then you mentioned Move Along Home. Like, wait a minute. Right after Move Along Home is the Negus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so do we have any last things we want to say for these? Or uh, No, I, I mean, not for me. I, I think I think I'll just broadly say that, like, every bone in my body says that I hate I should hate the Ferengi, but they are my favorite thing on this whole show. Yeah, they're. Yeah, yeah I think they I think they escape. They should be gross. And they escape it by being fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's yeah. it's to the point yeah. where it's like they're they are such a parody um that like they're a parody of like values that mainstream society does like promote that are unhealthy, but taken to this most ridiculous extreme. Yeah. Um, but then the, but then there are also points where the Frankie have like some of the most earnest and meaningful emotional storylines and you'll and, and, and that is why star trek is good because you're gonna say fuck you why are you making me care about these assholes yeah, yeah. oh yeah what i always <laughs> say about star trek is that it's people think that star trek is good because it's 50 percent like sincere emotional um idealistic storytelling and 50 percent horny bullshit but it is actually 100 percent both at all times and star trek is just 200 percent yeah that's yeah. why it's good yeah 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 i buy that definitely and it's like it's this show is just so horny all the time i love it <laughs> yeah i mean it's been pretty consistent this so far so all right jen do you want people to find you on the internet <laughs> yeah, sure. So I am, <laughs> I am on Twitter at Jen Catwrights, J-E-N-K-A-T-W-R-I-T-E-S. I am on private, but that's just because people are lunatics after you have a viral tweet. So you just have to request to follow me, but I usually accept people unless you look like a creep. So All right. And you should buy Jen's games. They're very good. Thanks. <laughs> 
All right. Um, so next time we are going to be covering episodes 12 and 13 of season one, Vortex and Battle Lines. Until next time, just, just keep circling. Keep circling. Just keep circling. Just keep circling. Yeah. Just keep circling. Just keep circling. Just keep circling. Just keep circling. The Babylon Project is an independent production. All views expressed on the show are our own. Clips from the original show remain property of the original owner. Music information can be found in the show notes. The rest of the show is licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 share alike no derivatives license.
I had a hilarious interaction at Taco Bell. Uh, I am in the drive-thru line getting my obligatory uh, Baja Blast for the recording. And the woman is like, uh, I don't have Baja Blast. I just have Baja Zero. And I was like, that's totally fine. I, I, I would imagine I can't even tell the difference. She's like, you know, probably not. But uh, as I have been trying to teach my sons, consent is important, whether it's whether it's with sex or with which Baja Blast you get. And I was like, that's fucking great. I have that's fantastic. That's a delight. Icon. Uh, Absolutely. I was just I, like, um, that's, I love that it was about Baja Blast. That's just terrific. I just made my day.